Well, hey, everybody, welcome to the Heidi St. John podcast. You guys are going to be really encouraged by my guest today. Dave Richardson is on the show with me today. He is the president of Assumptions Institute and the author of a groundbreaking book called Transparent, How to See Through the Powerful Assumptions That Control You. You guys know how interested I am in this topic and our need for discernment and wisdom as we navigate the culture today. And if you'd like a little jump start and some real wisdom for your day, stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. Well, thank you guys for tuning in today. I am going to jump right into it with my guest because I don't want to waste a single solitary second. David Richardson is on the show with me today, and we've had him speak to the students here at the Homeschool Resource Center and their parents. And uh, I was just blown away. The first time I heard him talk, I thought, man, this guy needs to be everywhere. And so I'm doing my part to get him out onto the podcast. I hope it blesses and encourages you. Hey, Dave, welcome to the show. I'm glad you're here. Thanks, Heidi. I really appreciate the opportunity. Well, I'm glad to have you here. You know me. I'm a, I'm a super big fan of the work that you're doing and the, the equipping that you are giving to parents uh, as their kids are really coming of age in the culture, because we're it's pretty much on its head right now, yeah? yeah oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, the, the thing that we've seen for years and years is this mass exodus of, of students from uh, the, the Christian faith that grew up in the yes. Christian homes, churches, ministries, 65% roughly every year. It's been going on for decades. It's nothing mm-hmm. new. Mm-hmm. But the thing that is driving it is uh, something that's actually beginning to accelerate. I had the opportunity uh, recently to read through George Barna's uh, uh, latest yeah. uh, world uh, worldview inventory uh, for mm-hmm. uh, for 2023, just to you know track trends, which I'm always interested in. And the thing that is absolutely stunning to me is last year's survey. He documented that 35 percent of People who self-identify as born-again Christians believe in absolute truth. I mean, 65% don't. The thing that's scary is that in just a year today, it's 70% don't believe in absolute truth. Only 30% think absolute truth is a real thing. And the the remarkable thing is he also documented that if uh, the person is a parent of an elementary school age uh, child, those parents... 76% of those don't believe in absolute truth. So you can see the trend is accelerating and is accelerating rapidly. So that when you talk about truth from God in the Bible, well, it's true only if I believe it's true. Uh, It's the word of God. If I accept it as the word of God, the gospel is true for everyone only if I accept it as true for everyone. Uh, and and that is a huge problem that uh, that we have to deal with. Well, this is what's coming out of our colleges right now and our major universities, and they've been going this way forever. But you and I were talking about this earlier. There's a statistic. It's really pretty mind blowing. That says that a million of so called good Christian kids, you know, people kids that have been raised in church, some of them even maybe homeschooled, will give up their beliefs and leave their faith in college or the first few years after high school. So the question I have for you is, A, do you think that's really true? Are a million young people going to leave their faith? Where does the statistic come from? And then if it is true, and I think it probably is, uh, why, why, why is this happening and what can we do about it? Well, 
the, the statistic comes from the Pine Tops Foundation in Seattle, uh, and it's uh, a survey of surveys. They're uh, coll- uh, collating uh, data from a variety of different organizations, you know, like Barna and uh, 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 the Pew Research Center and many others, showing uh, what, the, what the general frame is for that. And the estimate is roughly a million uh, young people a year. That's, That's 65% crazy. of young people who grow yeah. up in Christian homes and churches. We're losing them. Yeah, we are. And uh, I, d- I talk about a little bit in my book when that begins to happen. It really begins to happen at kindergarten. Uh, and in large part, we actually do it w- uh, to our own kids. Because what we do is we talk about uh, truth from God in the Bible all the way up until we begin formal schooling. And that is largely a young person's entire world. But when we begin the formal schooling process, when we begin talking about letters and numbers and Eventually, you can read words and uh, write uh, essays, and you can do mathematics. I mean, unless and, you're in the Oregon public schools, and then they just don't care. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you don't need to be able to cares, write or do basic who, math who cares or about any the of those things. Anymore. Yeah, we just graduate you. Go therefore into all the world and do nothing. Okay, good. Yeah, but when we talk about those real world things, the letters and the numbers and all these other things, do we talk about God in relationship to them? and how God is the source of those things and the author of those things. No, we don't. Uh, and uh, because most parents don't understand how to relate God to practical things like letters and numbers. Sure, I get it when it comes to my spiritual development and my family relationships and those kinds of things. But when it comes to real world things uh, like science, math, art, literature, all those kinds of things, what does God have to do with that? I face that in my ministry for the better part of 20 years with university professors. Mm. I would talk with Christians in major universities. You know, these are not dumb people. <laughs> and uh, I asked them, what does God have to do with what you do? And they look at me with funny looks and, and odd uh, expressions. And they say, well, what does God have to do with a chemical equation? I mean, outside of class, sure, I understand the need to talk about my faith with my students and coworkers, but when it comes to what I do professionally, what does God have to do with that? They, it's not that they're not interested. They just don't know. Right. And, and in any practical way, when it comes to real world things, most Christians really don't understand the relationship between those real world things and God as the source of, uh, of knowledge and information related mm-hmm. to those things. Mm-hmm. About the best that they have is, oh, I'm a nice person because I'm a Christian. Right. Well, that that's great. But God doesn't have anything to do with mathematics or art or any of these other things. And, and it's because we've lost that connection between our faith and real world things. So we can't relate our faith to real world things. And so when the world has a different answer than we do, it's more plausible. And so students just, uh, because they've already been taught that God doesn't have anything to do with those real world things anyway, they just embrace the thing that they all uh, that they already know, mm-hmm. and they tend to walk because we don't address those questions when they're elementary age, when they're middle school age, when they're having their first doubts. We don't know how to make those connections, and that's why we created the the training tools that we did. That's why I wrote the book that I did, is mm-hmm. so that uh, people can uh, learn how to connect truth from God and the Bible to real world things and do it in real time, as in 30 seconds or less with a little practice. Yeah. And you've actually got, and I want to kind of dig into it a little bit because you've come up with a pretty neat 
a protocol for helping students and actually even not even people like me, even Heidi St. John, you know, to come up and mm-hmm. ask really important questions. But you you touched on something and I want to go back to it because sure. it's something I'm really passionate about. And I think we need to be talking about it more, especially in, in uh, circles of faith and Christian uh, circles from the pulpits. Even we don't talk about it anymore. This, the culture has really devolved into a culture where we we believe in uh, relativism now, moral relativism. Yes. You know, truth is is all relative. You know, I have my truth, as Oprah Winfrey famously said in the '80s. And Dave, you have your truth, but we know that the Bible teaches us that there is only one truth, right? And truth comes in yes. the work and person of Jesus Christ. But when you're talking about a secularized culture and a weak church, how do we combat this idea of relative truth? Well, we you have to start with the notion of what is truth in the first place, because lots of people have lots of ideas about what that might be, but they really don't understand why something is true. Uh, the way that I explain it, uh, and you've heard me say it, true things match real things and real things are true. Uh, what that basically means is, you know, like, for instance, uh, the shirt you're wearing, uh, you know, isn't that a, a wonderful uh, orange shirt that you're wearing. Well, of course it's not orange. <laughs> Says what I just said about the real shirt that's really there yeah. didn't match. Therefore, what I said about your shirt is false. Uh, if you were to go outside uh, at night, uh, granted, of course, that it's not a cloudy night, about 30 degrees above the North Horizon, there's a star. It's not a very bright one, uh, but it's constantly in the same place. It's called Polaris. It's the North Star. Now, you can believe any other star is the North Star. You can call any other star you want the North Star. But if you navigate by it, you'll get lost because it's not the real real North Star. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, And so when it comes to things that are true, there are things that are true that are not real. And true things match real things. So like, for instance, when uh, uh, I start talking about there are things that exist that are not real, I'll I'll talk about... uh, you, you, you see, you've seen the, the illustration, the pink Pegasus unicorn that I'll put up on the screen. I'll, I'll ask the audience, does this exist? And they say, well, no, that doesn't exist. I say, yes, it does. <laughs> and, you know, they're rather surprised. What do you mean? You're looking at it. It exists as an image. It exists in the mind of the artist who drew it. But can you go out into the woods and catch and one and go it. for a ride? Yeah. No, you can't. Why? Because it's not real. And if you can't tell the difference between what's real and what's not, you can't tell the difference between what's true and what's not because true things match real things and real things are true. Uh, so, you know, begin re- rebuilding the very basic foundation of how do I identify true? Because the problem is this true for me, uh, my truth, your truth kind of thing is what our culture teaches. That's what the vast majority of our students uh, understand true is. It's just whatever I feel is true. Yeah. Yeah. And so, if we don't dismantle that and rebuild a proper foundation, that's why they're discarding their faith is because they don't accept it as true. They don't mm-hmm. believe it's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, it may be true for you, mom and dad, but it's not true for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, they don't understand that uh, what true is. And the, there's two strategic errors that we are making as Christians. The first is that we are exposing students to truth. All sorts of ways, whether it's through Bible studies and schooling, or whether it's uh, through retreats and Christian media, informal conversations. There's lots of different ways that we expose students to truth almost every day. 
but we don't intentionally train them on how to recognize anything is true. And if they don't know how to recognize anything is true, they'll recognize nothing is true. It's kind of like me walking into your yard with a tiger, but you don't know what a tiger is. And you see this beautiful, colorful animal and you walk up to it and that thing could eat you. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> but uh, uh, because you don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. So if you don't know how to recognize true, then you'll buy anything is true. And the other strategic error that we're making besides not training students intentionally how to recognize truth, whether it comes from God in the Bible or any other place. The other thing is that we're assuming that discernment, the ability to, d- uh, to tell the difference between true and false, good and evil, is an innate skill. It isn't. The scripture is very clear about that in Hebrews 5.14. Solid food is for the mature who, because of practice, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. The discernment requires training and practice. That's why we created our courses at learntodiscern.com, so that people have a system that they can practice. It's not divinely inspired scripture, but Mm -hmm. it is something that you can uh, uh, be trained in so that you can learn how to recognize truth in real world things, Uh, whether it's in the classroom, whether it's in the media, or whether it's in the culture. You can tell in a matter of seconds, not based on sophisticated arguments complex ideologies. Nobody's got the time for that. Mm -hmm. But if you can get at the simple assumptions underneath the argument that makes the argument possible, you can do that in 30 seconds. And you can tell immediately, even if you don't understand the argument. Hey guys, I know it's hard to find books worth reading to our kids these days as the woke indoctrination folks are working really hard to deceive our kids. We know that focusing on intentional family time, teaching our kids truth and traditional values cultivating healthy family habits, that's how you build a strong family. Well, Brave Books is writing books that teach faith-based values like the sanctity of life, discernment, or perseverance. And you can subscribe and receive a brand new read aloud book each month with corresponding family activities. Guys, these are high quality picture books for children and I promise your kids are gonna love them. Go to bravebooks.com right now and use the promo code Heidi for 20% off your Brave Books family subscription. Hey guys, it's Christmas. And if you're looking to make a real impression on your wife this year, I've got just the thing, pull-out shelves. These have improved my kitchen experience 100% because I can actually see what's in my cupboards simply by pulling the shelves out. It's amazing. Pull-out Shelf Northwest has the best prices on pull-out shelves and consistently beat their competition. Each pull-out shelf comes with a lifetime warranty, is made of solid wood with dovetail construction, and comes in maple, oak, or cherry. The shelves are custom-made and installed by the owner of this small Camas Washington-based company. Just for the listeners of the Heidi St. John podcast, the owner, Brad Schram, is offering to stamp the inside of your shelves with a verse from the Bible, Proverbs 24, verse 3, and he'll give you $50 off your installation just for the privilege of doing it. Call Brad today at 503-504-7050 for your free estimate and support a local faith-based company this Christmas while you give the gift that will keep on giving, Pull-Out Shelves. Visit Pull-Out Shelf Northwest for more information or call Brad today at 503-504-7050. So let's talk about something that's, you know, you know, talking about a real world example. On my way sure. to the studio today, I saw a video 
you know, you got to love the internet, Dave. You, you really got to yeah. love the internet. It's We've given a platform to every mentally ill person on the face <laughs> of the earth. And yep. there was a grown man on, a, on a, uh, I think, an Instagram video. I mean, clearly a man, right? Yeah. Lipstick, you know, eyeshadow, fake pigtails, the whole thing. And he's, sure. he looked to me like he's in his 40s. And he mm -hmm. was singing a song, you know, I'm a little trans girl, short and sweet. And then goes into this whole big song about how he's a girl. Yes. And obviously, you know, I'm looking at him. I'm like, no, you need to be in a mental hospital. But you, but you show that video. And here's what's so disturbing to me. It's not that I can't tell the difference. It's that a bunch of 20-somethings at Portland State University can't tell the difference. Yes. How do you enter into that conversation? Uh, I'm just going to leave it there. How do you enter into that conversation? I mean, I'm going to look at that guy and go, no, you're not a, a little girl, a trans girl, or whatever you want to call yourself. How do you begin to enter into a conversation like that, particularly as it relates to transgenderism? Because that's where we are in the culture right now. Sure. Well, you know, first of all, you want to be uh, uh, as, uh, as kind as you can to a person simply because, uh, you know, you're dealing with a, a human being made in the image of God. That's right. But, but in the long run, what you're dealing with is a mental fiction. Uh, it's essentially something that's not real. If you can't tell the difference between what's real and what's not, you can't tell the difference between what's true and what's not. Gender is nothing real. Gender itself does not exist in humans. It exists in linguistics. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, when we're talking about gender, we're talking about something that's supposed to be fundamentally true about who I am as a human being. But if I am created both physically and non-physically in the image of God, then something fundamental like gender must exist both physically and non-physically. According to Wikipedia, there's something on the order of 117 genders. Where do those exist physically? They, they don't. don't. They don't. They exist so, in your mind. Like the Pegasus unicorn who exists in yes. the mind of the, of the artist. Yes. Yes. So it, it, it's, it's one of two things. Either the physical doesn't matter at all, or it's not real. And it's obvious it's not real. Uh, and when we in entertain mental fictions with people, that's not helping them. That's not loving them. It's not uh, showing care and compassion for them. Would you do that with somebody with anorexia? They identify as a fat person. Right. But if you persisted in supporting them in their mental fiction, they it'll die. Kill them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, it, we have to get back to what is real in the first place. And what is real is there's a creator and a creation. And, and the things in the created world, none of it's perfect, uh, but it's all created by him. He's the source of all things. He's the source of knowledge. He's the source of truth. He's the source of love. He's the source of beauty. All the things that we know uh, uh, that are important in our human experience ultimately come from him. Goodness comes from him. It mm -hmm. doesn't come from us. Mm -hmm. We're made in his image and we're designed to reflect who he is. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you cut him out of the picture, then goodness must come from me. Truth must come from me. Beauty must come from me. Where else could it come from? Mm -hmm. uh, so those basic assumptions about what's real are absolutely crucial. And, and uh, we've developed a system, a way to help people easily surface what those are and to look at them side by side. There's actually three different basic assumptions that any person begins with. 
The nice thing about that, of course, is if you're just talking with one person, both of you could be wrong because there's a third possibility Mm -hmm. that you have to eliminate. And so you don't have to have an adversarial stance with somebody where you're throwing bombs over the wall at each other. You say, well, we actually both could be wrong. And so we have to be able to eliminate this third possibility. Why don't we look at it together? Uh, And then you come down to the, uh, the, the other two that are left. And then you examine which one of these matches reality mm-hmm. because I true things that. match real things. If it matches reality, then it's true. Not that you, it doesn't have logical consistency, but it doesn't mm-hmm. describe anything real. If it isn't real, it can't be true. Mm-hmm. And, and, and hopefully that will help somebody wake up from the mental fiction. Yeah. And, and there are many other mental fictions that we entertain. In our, Such in our as? Uh, race is another one. Uh, uh, we, we, that, that's a whole nother can of worms for another yeah. interview. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I've, I've traced the, uh, the source of, of where that came up. It's actually a made up social construct. And it was made up in 1775 by uh, a guy named Emmanuel Kant uh, in, in Germany. Uh, and that, uh, you know, he connected skin color to immutable characteristics. You know, why is it that we have to have so many different voices? Because if you have this skin, skin color, you think this way. You can only do these things. You know, the, that, that whole notion that because your skin is a particular color, therefore you behave in certain ways and are capable of certain things and have certain abilities that a person with a different skin color does not have. That's all made up. Yeah. Uh, I've got the essays where he made it up. <laughs> yes. And yet this is what's dividing us in the culture right now. Yes. Yeah. And, and the crazy thing is there was scientific uh, surveys uh, done. Uh, let's see, it was in 2017, published in Science Journal, where uh, we discovered the actual genes that code for skin color. Uh, they, they took skin samples of people all over the, the continent of Africa uh, and then sequenced them. 48 people with their names on this uh, research. And they discovered that while there's a wide variety of skin colors across the continent of Africa, every person they surveyed was genetically identical when it came to skin color. <laughs> They're genetically identical. Where is that guy now? Where, why, where, why aren't we teaching this? It was reported in the New York Times. It was reported in the L.A. Times, in the uh, in the Washington Post, the Chicago Sun Times, the Atlantic. Wow. Uh, all, all the major uh, news sources reported it, but it was in the science section, and nobody reads it. That's right. Uh, and, That's and, right. And the crazy thing is that when it comes to skin color, we're all we all have the same genetic hardware. We're, we're basically identical uh, when it comes to that. So if we're the same genetically, mm-hmm. where's the, the gene that codes for skin color? The remarkable thing is that six months after that uh, research came out, National Geographic devoted an entire issue to race, not just an article, the entire issue. The lead article in the issue was, there is no scientific basis for race. It's a made up label. That was the headline. What year was this? That was in uh, April 2018. Wow. wow. In other words, that's another mental fiction that isn't real. Right. Well, and Ken Ham's there... been talking about this for a long time. And he was just saying, you know, stop calling me white. And I love that. I love that he said that. He said, you know, he said, we are all different, uh, different hues of the same color. And he said, if, you know, yes. if you think that you're white, then you hold up a white piece of paper. So Heidi St. John's white, right? Until you hold this yeah. white piece of paper up to my face. And now all of a sudden you're like, oh, hey, yeah, not white. 
right? Not sure yeah. what to call it, but but uh, not white. You have an organization called the Assumptions Institute. Uh, tell us a little bit about your uh, the institute and how you came to focus on this area. Sure. Well, uh, the Assumptions Institute came about uh, uh, eight and a half years ago. Uh, it was after a 30-year career on the staff of Campus Crusade for Christ, now called CRU. Most of my time uh, with them was working in their faculty ministry. Uh, I didn't work with students. I worked with their teachers. I figured that uh, uh, those kinds of people have a huge influence. And if you can reach those people for Christ, yep. you could have uh, an amplified effect on a college campus. So I, I, I got involved in that ministry and started the ministry at Georgia Tech and at Emory, Georgia State, and uh, also uh, visited lots of different campuses, even helped starting a faculty ministry in Eastern Europe. Uh, but as I was working with college and university professors, it would took, took me a little while to get them to talk about their faith with their students and coworkers, but they would do it. But like I had mentioned earlier, when I asked, what does God have to do with what you do? Because if the problem with the education system is the ideas that come out of it and the graduates with their heads stuffed full of those ideas, who produces the product? You do, the professor. And uh, so when I discovered that a professor who is a Christian teaches the same course the same way as everybody else, and they don't know how to connect truth from God and the Bible to it, well, then you're teaching the same way as the atheists. I don't have to fix the atheists. I have to fix you. So I was looking for a way to try and do that. And it took me uh, a postgraduate degree at the University of Oxford, <laughs> as well as uh, a lot of years of practical apologetics with professors to come up with this simple system that is totally out of the box totally different than anything you've ever uh, ever seen before. It is far better than worldview. It's far better than your standard apologetic approach. And it's so simple, I could teach it to middle schoolers in a matter of, of hours, and they can actually use it. But it's still powerful enough that when I give it to professors, it changes what they do in the classroom. And that was uh, the, the initial motivation. Well, as I developed it into a, a full-fledged system and began writing the book, I decided that I would start uh, a ministry that was specifically devoted to that. And uh, the power of assumptions is the thing that I harness to help people quickly, accurately, and reliably get at what's true, what's not, and why, and how to connect truth from God and the Bible to real-world situations uh, and be able to do it in a matter of seconds. And that's really what you're teaching in your book, Transparent, how to see through the powerful assumptions that control you uh, for everybody who's watching that online right now, I've got it in my hands. This is a fantastic resource called Transparent. And I'm curious for everyone who's listening to this, you know, people are going to want to get get a hold of this book. Most of the people that listen to my show are very interested in what's happening in the culture. You know, they see that we're living through really an incredible time of deception, unlike yes. anything that I've ever experienced in my life. I mean, it, we it's a biblically illiterate church in a time of incredible uh, deception in the culture, everything from, you know, what's happening uh, geopolitically to what's happening right here at home. You know, what is a woman? These are questions that we're grappling with right now. And I'd love to have people have access to your book. Where can they get this book? The book is available at any major bookseller. Uh, they can also order it at thetransparentbook.com. That's thetransparentbook.com. And uh, it's also available not just in a print, but it's also available as an ebook and an audiobook. And it's wonderful. You can, this is a wonderful resource for parents of young people, but not just for uh, parents. I'm thinking like teenagers need this book. I think parents who want to sure. be able to 
or adults who want to be able to engage the culture from a position of strength instead of always feeling like, why am I arguing? Because what happens, and I, I see this happen a lot, uh, especially on the internet, we get into these circular arguments and they just go nowhere. And what I love yes. about uh, your book is you're teaching people how not to get into these circular arguments because the the facts of the argument, understanding the assumption, and then getting to the root cause is actually pretty simple once people know how to do it. You have a fantastic speaking ministry. I know there's people that are going to be wondering if if you're available for speaking engagements, and you are, how can people get a hold of you? Well, all you have to do is go to daverichardson.org or assumptionsinstitute.org and uh, contact me there. My email is info at assumptionsinstitute.org. You can email me and I'd be happy to do that. David Richardson, just an absolute joy to have you on the show today. Thank you for spending some time with me. I really appreciate it. Let's uh, Let's do it again soon. Absolutely. Thanks, Heidi. If you guys want more information on today's guest, you can go to HeidiStJohn.com and click on the show notes, or you can go to TheTransparentBook.com. Again, the book is Transparent, How to See Through the Powerful Assumptions That Control You. You guys, this is a great tool to have in your arsenal as you get out there into the intersection of faith and culture, as you are off the bench and onto the battlefield. I hope that you'll check it out and come right back here again, and I will see you here at the intersection of faith and culture.